We're in the second chapter of Luke in verses 22 through 40. If you brought a Bible or a phone, I promise I won't assume you're on Facebook. You can turn to it with me or follow along on the screen. Luke chapter 2, verses 22 through 40. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him, Jesus, to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. And a sword will pierce your, heart, your soul too. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Penuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom And the grace of God was on him. This is the word of the Lord. See, here in this passage, we have Simeon and we have Anna. And they're kind of reenacting Adam and Eve as they should have been, as they are intended to be. We have a female and we have a male glorifying in the the glory and the fullness of God. They are so in step with God's spirit that they immediately recognize God in their midst despite him kind of being veiled in this baby. And in this passage, Luke emphasizes over and over and over again that this is the work of the Holy Spirit in their lives. In rapid succession, Luke tells us that Simeon is righteous, full of faith, the Holy Spirit was on him, which is the same words that Luke uses to describe John the Baptist earlier in this book. And that the Holy Spirit reveals things to him. And that he is waiting for the consolation of Israel. That word consolation in English, in Greek it is periklesis. It's the Greek word that we get paraclete from. Maybe you've heard of paraclete. In John's gospel, it's his preferred word for the Holy Spirit. 
and it means the come-alongsider or the comforter. All throughout this passage, Luke is telling us that this is not human wisdom being able to identify God, but that it is the Holy Spirit revealing this glory among God's people. And then in counterpoint to Simeon, we have Anna. And we hear that she is a prophet during a time when prophets were not very common. It's a very loaded word that reiterates for us that just like Simeon, she is full of faith and that the Holy Spirit rests upon her. Not only that, but we learn that with Anna, after her husband died, she moved into the temple and never left. That is not an invitation for any of you to move into here. She spent all day and all night praying and fasting and worshiping the Lord. She is a woman kind of beyond her time. She is waiting for the Lord to move her. And in this passage, we are told that after they have identified the Lord in Christ, they are loudly proclaiming, this is the one, this is the Messiah, he is here. The Messiah, the Lord, he has come to us at last. This is all the hope of the world here in this baby. Simeon, for his part, sings a song, saying that he can now die in peace, for his eyes have beheld the Lord's salvation, which is prepared in the sight of all nations. And he sings out that this tiny baby is the Messiah, that this Jesus of Nazareth is the one. And he speaks directly to Mary, which is very countercultural for a man to speak to a woman during this time. If they are not direct relatives or married, that is not good. And she, he tells her that her son's very life will cause many to rise, many to fall, that he will be rejected, and that the hearts of those who reject him will be revealed, for they will claim to be faithful but their rejection of him will reveal who they really are. Not exactly the blessing you'd expect when you go to, like, dedicate your baby. How weird would that be is if you, like, bring them a baby, a newborn in and Pastor Jake's blessing them and says, by the way, and a, soul, a sword's going to pierce your soul, by the way, Mom. Good job. Like, that's just not something you'd readily welcome. And then again, in verse 38, the gospel tells us that Anna told all that were eagerly expecting the redemption of Jerusalem who this baby is. It's like she's running from person to person in the temple saying, this is the one we've been waiting for. This is the one. He is here. He is chosen. She would have been highly respected as a prophet and as one who stayed in the temple for a very long time. She would have been respected for her age. And she, too, loudly declares that this is the Messiah. And so they spend all of this time telling these people around them and probably telling the people around the temple and in Jerusalem that he is here. This good news of great joy has come to us at last. But we who have read the scriptures before know that despite their sharing, this temple where he is currently being dedicated as an infant will one day be the place where Jesus will face accusations of blasphemy and be told that he is lying about who he is. This temple will one day become the place where he is, where they attempt to arrest him over and over again, where he is constantly locked in these battles with the Pharisees and with the Sadducees and with the teachers of the law who say, you are not the one, he is not here. 
all for proclaiming the good news of God's kingdom come to them in the flesh. We know that they will not recognize him, despite being told over and over again, both in their scriptures and now by Simeon and Anna. And so this question that keeps coming to me is would I have been able to recognize him? Would you have recognized him? Jesus is in his very form exactly what was intended from God in the very beginning. Humanity and divinity in perfect unity. But is he what you expected? Be honest about it. Is he one that you would recognize? This is God incarnate, a baby from the wrong side of the tracks. What did you expect God in the flesh to look like? Because Jesus didn't come with fanfare like maybe we would expect. He wasn't born in a palace. He wasn't even born in a home. And he spent his very early years as a refugee in Egypt. He was poor, and I'm sure he was dirty. And all this talk in this passage about Mary and Joseph bringing him, and it says that they came to fulfill the law by offering what? a pair of doves or two young pigeons, that's like the footnote in the law for poor families that can't afford a proper sacrifice. They're not the cream of the crop here. But telling us that they came to offer this sacrifice isn't secondary. It isn't just the setting for this exciting story where Simeon and Anna kind of bring to light what's going on. Luke is telling us all of these muddy, dirty details because he is reminding us that Jesus is a singular person and telling us details about who this singular person is because this singular person is unveiling God among us. He isn't an ideal. He isn't an idealized concept. He is not an idol. And so Luke tells us, because we must constantly be reminded that Jesus was indeed and is indeed human. He had a hometown, the absolute worst one you could imagine. It's like being from the wrong side of truth. He had a family of origin, just like all of us, with their unique baggage and unique holiday arguments. Jesus had a nationality and a cultural history, and he had a religion. Jesus was born a Jew. And that means that like the Jews, he was subject to God's laws in the Torah, just like us. This is God come to us, not an ideal, not the king of the world that we would expect riding in, being born with fireworks. He is not a mantra to be thrown around like when we cross our fingers or throw salt over our shoulders. He's not even really a creedal statement that you can just subscribe to. This Jesus is a person. God and humanity perfectly united. All the fullness of God in an itty-bitty package. Is he what you expected? Have you recognized him lately? Have you seen what Jesus is doing in your life today and now? 
Have you heard the calling of the Spirit lately nudging at you, inviting you like Anna and Simeon to participate in something larger than yourself? See, when we talk about God, we often have a lot of preconceptions and ideas about what God is and who God is. And at Christmas, we get to have a lot of those ideas blown up. And every year, we get to be reminded that this Jesus of Nazareth, of all places, is God revealed. That this Jesus declares that he only acts as he sees the Father acting. That this child will reveal to us who God is and will tell us who we are in relation to that God. And so when we look upon this baby, we, like Simeon and Anna, can trust that this Jesus is exactly who he will one day claim to be. And so we come and we worship every year, seeing the same carols, because every year we must relearn what kind of God we are talking about when we say Emmanuel. That this is the God that Simeon and Anna recognize. Do you wonder how they recognized him? They recognized this God because they had spent their entire lives getting to know this God and falling in love with this God so that it was so obvious to them that as soon as God in the flesh entered the room, they knew that is the one they had been waiting for. They didn't have mathematical equations calculated by some hidden text in the Bible. They just had grown to know who God is by talking with God and being with God and worshiping God and praying and fasting and spending time with this God that they were following after. Brothers and sisters, do you know what it's like to love someone so much that you would recognize their voice in a crowded room? Maybe it's your mother or your father. Maybe it's your spouse or your best friend or your brother or your sister or your child. I know that there have been parents in this sanctuary that heard their child crying in the nursery and were like, oh, that's mine, and went and checked on them. That's what we're talking about when we talk about Simeon and Anna. They were so in tune with God and so in love with this God that when a baby who was dirty and from a poor family is brought into the temple, they immediately see the God unveiled that they have been waiting for. One of our great church fathers from a very long time ago once wrote, love God and do what you will. Because when we truly come to love God, when we fall in love with this God who is born to us in a manger in Bethlehem, a fairly insignificant town, when we begin to fall in love with this God and learn who this God is, we begin to see that that is the meaning of our entire lives. We begin to see that this God who created all things and holds all things together loves us. And that God's invitation to us is not to uphold some rigid moral line, but to live in that love. And so we love God and do what we will. Because if you truly love someone, you won't do something that harms them. And here we see him.
God in the flesh. May we learn to see them in all the places of our lives, in all the corners of our world. Amen.